Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. And it is really great to be here. Um, I, I, my, wife, my wife came with me to North Taramara, so she stayed there and I'll pick her up on the way back. But we were reminiscing a little on the, on the way down about um, both North Taramara and, and also this this now campus of Northside. So thank you for your invitation. I want to begin with a confession. That's relevant because I'm talking about forgiveness, okay? They say or I've been told that you should never start with an apology or a a confession, but I'm going to. Um, I'm rolling the barrel this morning. You probably have no idea what that means. It's an insider term that means I've preached this before, it's not a new sermon, okay? (laughs) I actually preached it about four or five weeks ago at our home church at Coast Community and it was the second in a series uh, and the series was entitled Embracing Truth. The first in the series was embracing the truth that God loves you, God loves me. And that was a rightful place for love and God's love to be first. But the second in the series was embracing forgiveness or uh, embracing grace. And I think the sequence there is, is very good in that uh, the capacity for grace, which is accepting and giving better than fair, actually comes out of love. Uh, We human beings, to some extent or other, actually struggle with the whole issue of fairness. So the issue of being better than fair, even receiving better than fair and giving better than fair, is a pretty big struggle. And unless you love Somebody, unless I love somebody, that is being for them and wanting the best for them. That's the basic meaning of love. Unless there is love, there's probably not going to be much, if any, capacity for grace. So grace comes out of love. And the invitation today is that we would embrace forgiveness. It's available to us from God and hopefully from others around about us. The embracing part is actually quite important. We need to claim forgiveness. I was reading recently where it's estimated that there's approximately $14 billion worth of unclaimed super in Australia. $14 billion. What that means, just looking around at us here this morning, means that there's somewhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 that belongs to you that you have not claimed. Okay, if it's proportional. Between fifty dollars and $100,000 is actually belonging to us, but we haven't claimed it. What a tragedy. Wouldn't you like to go out and find out whether... Whether some of it's actually yours, and I encourage you to. I think you go through your tax number or some, something like that. Go and do it. 
Otherwise, and don't you need it? Yes. And I think much more deeply we need to embrace forgiveness. Uh, We need to embrace accepting forgiveness, being let off the hook by God and by others, not having to live with our history, having a clean slate, and we need to be able to express forgiveness, not to live with a gradually accumulating amount of hurts or grudges, no matter how realistically we might believe that that was unfair. When I was about eight or nine years of age, I remember quite vividly going to the Methodist church in Oakley, which was a suburb of Melbourne where our family lived. I'd never been in that church before. Uh, I'd been past it hundreds of times on my way to and from school. But it was a a midweek meeting and what I can remember about it was that there was this old lady with a foreign accent who was speaking. It didn't resonate with me very much at all until towards the end of her speaking when she started to talk very, very powerfully about forgiveness. Um, I don't know how much later, maybe 15 years later, maybe 20 years later, I was reading a book entitled The Hiding Place and the penny dropped for me. The old lady with the foreign accent was Corrie Ten Boom. And it was actually within just a few years of the end of the Second World War when she came to Australia and she spoke in the Methodist Church. Now, if you have read or know about The Hiding Place, you will know that that is an incredibly powerful story. Let me just read to you fairly briefly an excerpt from The Hiding Place written by Corrie Ten Boom. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a grey overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947 and I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that needed most it was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter bombed out land and I gave them my favorite mental picture maybe because the sea is never far from a hollander's mind I like to think that that's where for, forgiven sins were thrown when we confess our sins I said God casts them into the deepest ocean gone forever The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood in silence. In silence collected their wraps. In silence left the room. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others... One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. 
the next the blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner amongst those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking for forgiveness? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I'd had a home in Holland for victims of, no, of the Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the run stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprung into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. Wow. Can we just imagine the miracle of that forgiveness? The potential horror 
of seeing the God and everything of the brutality coming back and then by the love and grace of God being able to forgive. Forgiveness is one of the major themes of Christianity but it's only one of the major themes of Christianity because it's one of the major themes of living. And unless we can deal constructively with the two sides of forgiveness, to be able to accept forgiveness and then to be able to express forgiveness, we will inevitably live a life with a limp and maybe even much more than a limp. And it's actually fairly difficult in our human strength to accept forgiveness. There's a kind of a pride comes in there. Um, you've got to be able, we've got to be able to accept our part in a dilemma or our part in a conflict or our part in a broken relationship. Uh, And that means being honest and open and vulnerable and sometimes that's very difficult. My commentary on my own life and on the life that I see with you and those around about me is that except in our relationship with God, there's never one-sided problem. There's always some problem, even if I think that I'm in the right and my wife is in the wrong. When I really hear the real story, then I have to say, "Uh uh-oh, I need to double back. So there's a humility and a reality in accepting forgiveness. I'm not saying to you that you're a rotter. I'm not saying of myself that I'm a rotter. I'm not saying we're the scum of the earth or anything like that. I'm just saying that sometimes, many times, for all of us, we live life as if it should revolve around us. And that's not fair. We live life in a self-centred way. Because sin is actually just missing God's mark of love for him and for one another. And we're all in that, that boat. When I was um, very early on in my first ministry, a lady who came to the church asked me whether I would um, go and do some counselling with her and her husband. I was quite nervous about that, but I went And uh, when I got there, I realised that um, they weren't talking to each other. And when I asked a bit naively, how long have you not been talking, they looked at each other and then one of them said, well, it'd be several months. Now, I just got married at that time. Several months not talking to each other? I I couldn't... I can understand it now, mind you. (laughs) But uh, I, just, I just didn't get it, so I asked a couple more naive questions. I said, so what happened? Thinking there was some cataclysmic problem. And they looked at each other again, didn't talk to each other, but they looked at each other and neither of them could remember what happened. <laughs> but I think I know what happened. Something, probably relatively small, it may have been important, but... 
And they went to bed that night and turned their backs on each other and each one said to themselves, in the morning he'll apologise or in the morning she'll apologise. And that didn't happen in the morning, didn't happen the next day, didn't happen the next week, three months and they had not spoken to each other. Do you recognise that we can't keep any relationship, whether it be with God or with one another, without forgiveness, without repentance, without confession. And rather than being negative, this is actually a positive. This is something that unless it becomes a part of everyday life, because that's how often we slip up, relationships are not going to be renewed. Relationships are going to drift apart for want of the reality and the courage to accept the need to accept forgiveness and to express forgiveness. I've got this justice meter inside me and it goes off pretty regularly and it goes off pretty loudly but it's very one-sided. It goes off loudly and regularly when I think I've been violated or my rights or fairness has sometime or somehow gone out the window. I, I notice very significantly it doesn't go off as loudly or as regularly when other people are violated. And one of the things I love about Jesus was that the times when he expressed sadness and sometimes anger, it was not on his own behalf, it was when other people were getting ripped off, when they weren't getting a fair deal. And I love to think that somehow or another, through the Spirit of God, there would be the capacity within me and within you to actually have that justice meter go off regularly, not only when we are violated, but also when other people are violated. Because that's the signal that there's the need for repentance, confession, and sometimes for restitution, and that that is a positive thing. One of the dynamics of this, I think, and it was expressed in that part I read from Corrie ten Boom that we need to be able to accept forgiveness in order to be able to express forgiveness. That's not the way it actually says that in that passage that was quoted. It says that unless we forgive, we are not forgiven. But the dynamic of that, I think, is that if we are forgiven and therefore thankful and know that we live every day and every moment of, day, of the day in grace, in gratitude, then that will so impact our lives deeply that we will be able then to express the forgiveness to other people. So if we are not able to express forgiveness to other people, it may, it may mean that we have not accepted forgiveness deeply. And can I just encourage the love and the grace of God is available to every one of us this morning to have a clean slate. You know, uh, the unconditional love of God has no barriers to it. It doesn't matter what your history is, what my history is. The only unpardonable sin is not being willing to be forgiven by God. There's nothing too bad for God. 
We can't actually have a history that he says, oh, that's beyond what I can do. The unconditional love of God leads to the possibility of us living in grace. In the, the first church where I ministered, there was a person who was actually an elder of the church and uh, he'd returned from the Second World War and he, he had suffered significantly as a prisoner of war. And uh, I used to lead the youth group at Canley Heights Church and on a Friday night we'd sometimes do outings, we'd sometimes have a visiting speaker and I think it was somewhere around Anzac Day we invited this person to come and talk to us and, and he thought long and hard before he said yes. I'd never heard him talk about his prisoner of war days because they were still very difficult even to think about and he was a man whose body was still very much suffering the repercussions of that in, internment. I can't remember a lot of what he said but I can remember the last thing he said to a group of young people, some of whom were really struggling with life and who weren't actually getting a very fair deal uh, at that time. He said, I'm a Christian and I believe in forgiveness. And if a Japanese person walked in that door tonight and they needed a feed, they would be welcome to put their feet under my table. How powerful is that? That is the beautiful message of forgiveness that we can claim personally and then express to others. If we do not live with forgiveness both to accept and express, then if we cannot accept it, we live with a poison of guilt. And if we cannot express it, we live with a poison of of grudges. But you know what? It is so easy to go through life limping because we haven't embraced that freedom. Particularly the freedom of letting hurts go. I actually think that I've had a pretty easy life overall compared with a lot of people but there's no doubt whatsoever in my mind that I've been done in enough times in various ways to be a pretty grumpy old man (laughs) and uh, I haven't been game to ask my wife recently whether I actually am or not. (laughs) I think she would say no you're not but that's a miracle. And I reckon I've had it easy because as we gradually go through life, it's possible that the hurts build up and that instead of us sailing into the sunset in some sense, life is closing in on us. There's a passage in 1 John 1 verses 9 and 10 that I I think expresses that through God's power we are able to be forgiven and express forgiveness. If we claim that we're 
uh, sorry, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. This is the equivalent of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. What God brings into our lives through his Spirit, quick to forgive. I'm not sure how quick it is sometimes. I think sometimes it takes quite a while. I think of a time when I was at the college and I received a letter that was very critical of me and of the college and uh, it, it, the person I uh, knew very well and loved had written it um, and uh, uh, I remember taking the letter home to my wife and saying to her, I don't know what to do about this and she said to me, well, because you just need to get together with him and work it out. And I said, no, that wouldn't be pretty. Um, I I don't think that that's a good idea at all because I was angry and upset. I felt violated and I actually wanted to get him. And I think until we have a win-win mentality rather than a win-lose mentality, it's, it's probably not a good idea at that time to, to um, try and embrace it. Anyway, about six months later, I woke up one morning and I said to Marg, I'm going to ring him up. And she said to me, are you sure? I said, yeah, you know what? I don't want to get him anymore. Something had happened within my heart that had changed me from win-lose to win-win. Anyway... I, somehow or another, uh, it mattered to me what his response was, but in another sense, it didn't matter. It would have been incredibly sad if when I rang him up and he heard the voice or I identified myself if he put the phone down or gave me a blast and then put the phone down. That would have been very sad because there wouldn't have been able to be full reconciliation. But somehow or another, God had done something inside me. He was incredibly gracious. We met together. We hugged each other. We shared the dilemma. And do you know that he told me of a time when I'd hurt him badly and in all of my ruminating and my conversations with myself about what I would say to him, I had never actually thought about that. How arrogant is that? That I hurt him. And what he said, I remembered the instance. I said to him, mate, I didn't. It was a general statement. I wasn't, but it had hurt him. So I apologised to him. We hugged and kissed and prayed together and that man died shortly after that meeting. There is a deep work of God. It begins with us accepting and then us being able to express As I get older, I actually feel that there's a possibility that life closes in on us rather than expanding. Uh, As I get older, I find some part of getting um, past mid-70s, I find it very frustrating. The 
the mind tells the body things that it can't obey. <laughs> and and how, how do you live with that kind of reality, with the, the things you used to be able to do or allowed to do or invited to do, where they're gradually closing in? I've had to stop travelling as much because I, I'm not resilient anymore. I get too grumpy when I get home and my wife says, you're trying to help other people to be healthy and I'm worried about you. So, so as we move through life, at any stage, I think, unless there is this refreshing and renewal of acceptance and expression, we will grow old grumpy. The hurts will gradually build up. But actually, it's not a negative thing. It's a great opportunity to live life to the full, to the very last day. And I love the section in Romans 8 that was read to us where um, Paul says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid grave-tending life. Did you get that? Not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Pepper? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. God's spirit touches our spirit. This is not a timid, grave-tending life. We're adventurously expectant, saying, what's next? in our lives because of the freedom of the grace of God and the security of the love of God. But there's always a price for grace and for forgiveness. In the Old Testament, the teaching was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and that's actually justice. But that came in basically so that a family feud would not escalate into a national or international war because you know how these things escalate and it was saying put a stopper in it, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And at the very least, the price for forgiveness is giving up the right to get back. And that's quite a price, to let it go, even if it was. Very unfair. And God has paid an incredible price so that we can be free. Jesus came. He died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. This is a great opportunity as part of our worship and our coming together in fellowship to remember and to be grateful so that our lives are lived in gratitude and in grace rather than in grudges. The price was high, but God paid it through Jesus. And as we come to the communion time, let's just thank God for that. Come to him and confess or open our lives so that we can be fresh to say, what's next, Papa? And then go into the world more able and willing to express forgiveness to those who may have hurt us. I'm just going to pray and thank God for these emblems and then we'll take communion together. 
Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Help us to claim, to be open, to receive what we don't deserve. To be open not to have to live with our history, but to be able to live fully today and tomorrow what's next, Papa. Thank you that we remember at this time of communion the really high price you paid in giving your son so that we can be free. Thank you in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.